0: network, and we are going to revive our horse racing series, but uh, we'll still give you the breakdown of the biggest races. Uh, We'll have somebody come in and um, give you uh, the Del Mar racing season. However, the focus is going to be on horse racing in true crime. And uh, I graduated from the Pointer Institute for Media Studies. I have a degree in literature. I have two master's degrees in business. Ran successful businesses. I had a uh, restaurant in Pinellas Park, Florida. Bought it for eight thousand. Sold it for six hundred thousand. Six years later. Uh, but through the life, you meet people you gain experiences, Uh, my wife's a psychotherapist, and with her experiences and writing in the diary and uh, consuming a lot of true crime media, an opportunity presents itself in reporting on true crime as it relates to horse racing, but we'll go much deeper than that as there's many, many layers from the criminal justice system to educating the public. Uh, this came up in the George Floyd situation also came up now with the mask. The difference in law enforcement, difference in enforcement, period. What's, you know, what's criminal? What's civil? What is an uh, ethical breach? What's an ethical breach with real enforcement mechanisms and teeth and without? Because really you have to know that, especially as things have changed and the economy and culture has evolved. And believe me, there's a lot there. Uh, On this podcast, we will preview the whole series of podcasts and this podcast uh, that we'll have every week. Uh, We'll preview the ins and outs, kind of the basis we'll start with, which is 2015, We're going to play an episode that I played in the past of Mike Gill. Uh, Most likely, we will have Mike Gill on the podcast. Uh, And really, it's on the theme of 500 Days of Summer, The Affair, uh, the the limited series just now with Hugh Grant and uh, Hugh Grant and I forget her name but it's called The Undoing and really what those, and, and also the Sex in the City episode, he's just not that real into you. When we break down what perception is and what reality is, right, uh, from our point of view, but we don't have a, a monopoly on the truth. So like the sports betting podcast, we've gotten a lot of information. We've made a lot of money with input from the fans. So we'll also do this in this, uh, podcast and we'll break down the stories from many different layers from mental health right because we all have to have the, what they call a mental health first aid kit so we can see ourselves and, and people around us uh, we're recording this one the first episode we in the holiday season and there's uh holiday season or adverse disorder right people that kill themselves during the holidays and even if you don't kill themselves, some people go through major depression and bounce through So there's a lot of psychological aspects to it uh, that are experienced in business for the years, our advanced degrees in academics, right? Uh, we built up a lot of knowledge, right? And when I say we, it's not that I have a mouse in my pocket. We have uh, Mike Pristinisi. <laughs> who uh, Mike Kristinese, I call him Coach Mike. We met 2011, so we're going on 10 years. (laughs) We've been collaborating, uh, observations. He also has a master's degree, uh, Christian counseling. Really, he has a lot of wisdom. He's uh, raised three successful children. And if you're the smartest, toughest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. So we have Mike Prestonizzi. Here on the horse racing podcast with us, the true crime horse racing podcast. We break down these stories from the criminal element. We'll, we'll, we'll study and we'll report on the criminal mind as well. Thank you for joining and uh, thank you for agreeing to be on this podcast series with
1: me. Oh, you're welcome, Josh. Uh, I wanted to give you the other star of that series, it's Nicole Kidman. Nicole, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, That's the undoing. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, to your point earlier, and I want to give you a, a kudo, a compliment. Thank you for what we call billboarding or signposting what we're going to do these next few weeks with uh, horse racing true crime. I think a lot of our listeners and viewers really want to know, what are you guys going to talk about? Where are you going to go? and What are my takeaways if I listen and if I pay attention? And hopefully you and I can, weave in business uh, practices, we can weave in how money motivates, and sometimes money turns into greed, and greed motivates, and sometimes greed leads to, look, I will kill you to keep the money, or I will get rid of you, or I will have to diminish you, or criticize, or condemn, or ostracize you, because if I do that, and make you look bad, it takes the heat off me. Um, You and I were talking before the podcast about imagine you're a kid growing up in flint michigan in the 50s you're dirt poor living on the river and the guy says to you hey kid you want to make 500 bucks cash right. you don't even ask any questions you just the answer is yes and then you go do whatever they want you to do and then a few weeks later people say well that was illegal mike that was against the law can you even ask any questions <laughs> no <laughs> i stuffed 500 bucks in my pocket i'm the richest kid in, you know, 22 blocks. So a lot of that happens with, in the horse racing world, where guys start off with nothing. And all of a sudden they come onto a horse, they get a jockey, they got a little trainer. Next thing you know, they win a race or two, then they got money. Right. And this, what we're going to talk about really unwraps a lot of that. And with your background and your experience, Josh, as a podcaster, I'm just going to follow your lead. So I'll turn it back to you. Yeah.
0: And, and we're not going to leave anything on the table. This is going to kind of uh, parlay into the book that I'm writing. And the book that I'm writing is All I Know. And every piece of wisdom, and I'm going to steal from Coach Mike. I'm going to have to give him a cut of the book because he's going to have his, the wisdom I've learned from him in the last 10 years. A lot of nuggets. We're going to put it all in there, but we're going to put it all in here on the podcast as well. Well, everything we know, we're going to put it on here. We're not going to leave anything on the field. <laughs> right. And uh, if you have a piece of wisdom or something we can learn from, like we have in the sports betting podcast, we'd love to hear it. Right. The good and the bad. Sometimes you learn more from the bad than the good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, then. Like I just saw something uh, somebody gave some sort of negative feedback. Right? And I'm like, wow. Uh, what's going on in that guy's life, that he had to uh, say the negative feedback, which really wasn't that negative, but it, it showed more about the person that it did uh, what's going on, right? Because none, none of this is that uh, series, but you will learn a lot about a lot of different cru- true crime elements, right? Uh, that you can't see in major media or get anywhere else. And that's really the primary reason we did it because we we see that void and uh, we're happy to fill it. And that way we get even more information, all right? So what I'm gonna do right now is I am going to play an interview from Roger Stein, who recently passed away. Um, I used to listen to his radio program every Sunday in the morning, going to get bagels for Hannah. (laughs) And then I would listen to it in the, because I was a long line here, we shouldn't, uh, here where I live in, in Orange County. So, I would, you know, continue to listen to it on my headphones and on the way back home. But in that hour, I would listen to Roger Stein and it's old old horse racing guys just just talking, right? Just talking about life. And man, you, know, you learn a lot from that. It's almost like in The Sopranos, they used to go to that port place and just sit down and talk. You learn a lot talking to old guys and listening to the stories and a little bit of humanity that's missing from the younger folks these days. Uh, So let's start and I'm gonna stop it and we're gonna discuss certain uh, topics that really are gonna be the foundation for the podcast. We'll start in 2015 and there's a lot of elements in play. uh, The permeate society and gives clarity to what's really going on that in the mainstream media and other outlets, uh, people can't say. Because uh, Coach Mike and I, Mike Persaniti and I, are very lucky, fortunate, and good that we own our own businesses. So uh, I fire more clients <laughs> than I acquire. In, in most of our businesses referral. So. Uh, most people know not to refer us idiots, and we we have the latitude to say what we want, um, and the only um, parameters would be enforcement mechanisms through litigation, which knock on wood, I'm 26 and 0 the last 30 years, <laughs> with the help of God. Uh, Amen. So let's start with... Uh, the Mike Gill interview, and then, and, and again, it's going to serve on many levels. It's the foundation for the podcast. So I'm going to stop it when I have a
2: few topics to discuss. Graham, uh, many years ago, a breath of fresh air. A lot of people are fans of Mike Gill's. Uh, in 2010, the most hated man in racing turned out to be a report ESPN did, and we'll talk about that and other things with my good pal, Mike Gill. Good morning, Mike.
3: Hi, Roger.
2: Listen, Mike, you've been keeping it low profile. I want to go back uh, to remind the listeners that don't remember. In 2005, you took down the Eclipse Award, but you were really honest about it. You said it was probably a makeup for the, for the huge oversight In 2004. And you told me earlier, maybe 2003 and 2004.
3: Right. That's how I saw it. But, uh, and I heard that uh, Mr. Melnick wasn't, was sick. And that was the year that I'd won. And, and I really do think that he should have won it that year.
2: For, for, for certain, uh, you had it coming. You did an awful lot of winning, and you remind everyone always that your percentage was nothing out of the ordinary, uh, that a lot of the horses that you claimed and dropped down uh, didn't necessarily show a profit. But you have the, I think you're the only guy out there that ever has accusers and no positive tests. Now, you, you did say, you owned up to this, that in, I think it was 19.
0: I'm going to stop it there, and I'm going to ask for your opinion on a couple of things. They established him as a wealthy horse owner, host, you know, 3rd horse racing owner. He was good. He won some races. He had a lot of money. He could afford a loss. Uh, the one mistake, and we'll talk about it too, right? one mistake people make and i get this this, i've always done this but uh, it hit me home by the book erroneous songs by uh wayne dyer Dyer, Dyer. who's a you know good psychotherapist and he said that the biggest mistake people can ever do is seek another man's approval so the fact that He's trying to win, you know, he's saying, oh, I should have won the award this year, I should have won the award that year. That was something, you know, very interesting here.
2: You remind everyone always that your percentage was nothing out of the ordinary, uh, that a lot of the horses that you claimed and dropped down uh, didn't necessarily show a profit. But you have the, I think you're the only guy out there that ever has accusers and no positive test. Now, you you did say, you owned up to this, that I think it was 1993 or something, or 2003. It was many years ago. You did 94. get a bad, 94, you did get a bad test, didn't you? How about this?
3: Uh, I had to fire my trainer. I didn't have a trainer. It was the very first horse I ever ran came back with a bad test. And I fired him that morning, so it was that trainer's horse. But what was really going on, and it's always been an issue for me, is me fighting corruption in thoroughbred racing. They had a HBPA union there that they were selling out its membership, telling of a year round race racing if they got slot machines. The truth is, I sat in those meetings, it was gonna be a six week meet. When I came forward, and wouldn't shut up. And I told people and reported to the globe, they put a gun to my head. And I still wouldn't shut up. The next day, my
2: first horse, bad test. Yeah. Did you did they ever figure out what, what did you did, did you serve any time or did you pay a fine? What was the deal? What was the disposition of that case? There was you no. Know,
3: if there was one that they kicked me out of racing for a couple of years, that was it. They knew what it was. It was a Clem overage. A uh, clumbuterol, not overage. They didn't have clumbuterol. They spiked the horse, and they know they did. Because hey. I wouldn't go and cover up what I've uncovered with the union. See, corruption in horse racing has been rampant. But the thing didn't...
0: so one thing I do, you know, Coach Mike does it a little bit because he said, you know, Coach Mike has had to uh, go to bids it look municipalities. And every local municipality that I've been involved in or observed from Tampa to New Orleans to Boston to New York City, Boston, Texas, not here in, in San Diego County, Orange County, all of them have been corrupt. It's like that study from The Economist where they looked to see which 115 countries were corrupt and which countries weren't. They found out that all 115 countries were corrupt. It is the, the level of corruption, right? Uh, so when he says that the horse racing industry is corrupt, everything's corrupt, right? And uh, I have a clean record, but people have put guns to my head, right? And when I've relayed the stories to law enforcement and cops and the people in law enforcement, are really good friends of mine i have a person who's an assistant uh, chief of a major city of a police department i know a sheriff uh, sheriff chair for a whole county in, in florida and whenever i tell those guys the story they're like well you know they're not shooting because you're not dead <laughs> somebody's going to kill you they would shoot they won't just put a gun to your head right so the horse racing is corrupt uh of course, and, and that's why we have a podcast, and it's such a trick crack podcast because we're going to relate those those things. Then, uh, Roger Stein hit on a very good point, right? What was the disposition of that? Right? Since he's a horse trainer, horse horse owner, right? It's white collar crime. And white collar crime pays. It's very lucrative business uh, Right now we're uh, recording this, uh, December 17th, 2020. Robinhood got a 60, a uh, company with an new Robinhood got a $65 million fine after 10 billion in profit. Okay. So you and I do that. We got major felonies, spend life in prison, Robinhood, white collar crime to get away with it. And then uh, when he was talking Clem him, you all spiking horses which will lead to our next podcast, which will be about Jason's service. And we'll go through all of it. We'll start going through the whole horse racing process, when they talk about claiming, right? When you first buy a horse and then you sell it for more money later after the win some races. Clean is the same steroid that Alvarez, the boxer has. So it's a steroid that gives you more endurance. It gives you more lung capacity. So you go uh, higher. Now they have what they call synthetic drugs, but in our next podcast, we'll go hot and heavy into the different drugs and the whole Jason Service situation as as we talk about the whole industry, right? What we learned about the whole industry. What did you think about that segment, uh, Coach Mike?
1: Well, I was going to say a couple of things. Number one, let's just take the listeners and the viewers back to horse racing back in the day, all right? And who used to race horses? But well, It was the sport of kings, remember? Right. It was the sport of kings. Well, kings have a lot of money and a lot of ego and a lot of pride. And so they would race against other kings or or princes or whatever. And it was a big ego feed. And it was all about the upper middle class and racing the horses. And they would have to hire these trainers and these jockeys to basically take care of the horses, right? Right. They, when you had a really back in the day, if you had a really good trainer and a really good jockey, you were going to win horse races because you had a winning combination, a winning team. And I think what Roger Stein's point was was that you know Mike Gill thought he had a winning team, and all of a sudden, oh, he's got to fire his trainer, and next thing you know, the first horse in a race gets caught for being doped, and he's kicked right. out of for two years. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out somebody behind the scenes is watching what's going on saying, hey, this guy, Gil, uh, you know, he's in a little bit of trouble. We got we to gotta get him out of the picture for a couple of years. So they did. But to his credit, he hasn't stopped talking about, hey, I'm telling you guys, there's corruption at every level in horse racing. And our listeners and viewers are saying, well, Coach Mike, we know that. Is it really? Do you really? Do you know that there's corruption in every phase of every government and every business in the countries in the world? If you don't, this might be a good time to sit up and pay real close attention because there's a lot of corruption. Your neighbor might be a nice guy. He might be as corrupt as the day is long. Seems like a nice guy. Says hi to you. Doesn't park in your garage or doesn't make noise in your lawn. But the point is is that you and I are talking about a non-agenda driven data finding data mining to say okay what can we learn here what, what are some of the business lessons you can pull away from this one of them is you need to vet your team okay so the number one thing you do in team building is you vet your team what does the coach do he vets a player he has his scouts go watch him and then the scout comes back and gives a report then they talk about it then they say what do you think do we give him a trial yes or no same thing with the whole idea of horse racing is you're you're getting into a very, very big ocean of competitors with lots of money and lots of power and lots of ego. Right. Are you prepared for that? Is Mike was Mike Gill prepared for that? He was probably not. No, no, probably not. I mean he has
0: a bunch of money. Just because he has a bunch of money doesn't mean anything, right? And real intelligence is situational intelligence. Now, I've made more money, and team coach already knows this, but I'll I'll confess, I've made more money in business cases, and all the court cases I've won uh, by the number two rule of betting, which I tell everybody, do your reach. I'll be a man, oh, this guy's been your business partner for five years, okay, what does his um, credit report say? I don't know, oh, you mean that you gave this guy $20 million? And you haven't looked at his credit report,
1: right? FICO score.
0: <laughs> you don't know. Anything? Oh, no, no, no. Do you know how many times he's been married? No, no, no. I don't know. Well, okay. There, I know that as much as I have an MBA and as many business of uh, masters of business science, and I think I'm a smart guy. I read a lot. I think I can do sophisticated derivatives to help with investments. That's not what was needed <laughs> in this case. Right. It's it's doing some research. And the one that's going to make me the most money on this case is going to be Anna, the psychotherapist uh, helping me scientifically read everybody and then being able to get a forensic accountant to verify whatever I've already seen in the books that I predicted based on the research I did. Right. Yeah. And things break apart. Right. So Always do your research. And that's why there's so many uh, resources. You have a a tax ID. You can go to Equifax. And with a social security number, you can find out every single thing there is to know about that identity. Well, is it a legit identity? Who knows? But whatever that identity is, you're going to find out everything. Okay. And common sense will tell you, which you don't have comments, if you're going to hand over a guy you barely know, $20 million, uh, it's probably in your best interest to do a uh, background check. Okay. Or you get married. How many people get married without knowing the credit history of their spouse? Right? Yeah. Yeah, and and it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. So Mike Gill there, and that's the thing, uh, Coach Mike and I have combined over 100 years. Successful years. (laughs) We've done well. So we can tell a lot quickly that you're going to benefit from. That's why uh, I'm going to put that in the title. all we know it's going to be part of this true crime series, right? So he didn't check the criminal record, the references, what was going on. He gets suspended for two years, but he has a lot of money. Believe really, me, they want Mike Gill's money and whatever he's, he's into. And so mm-hmm. We go on breaking down the Mike Gill story, is the foundation for a true crime horse racing podcast series. As you can tell, there's going to be a lot of layers and a lot to learn from. Continue on.
3: Blew up corruption. It was You could fight this. It's when corporate America, the casinos of the world, united with the corrupt, that showed them wire services and offshore gaming. The same five thousand dollar horse at Penn National, where you couldn't bet two hundred bucks, and today you can't bet two hundred bucks. What if they could bet ten thousand at ten to one?
0: Do you think? So I'll stop it there, because within in, in, as we go along, uh, it's it's very clear to me that local political corruption will also be a part of this because it's a lot of part of racing And uh, yeah. Coach Mike and I have sat there in those city council meetings, sat there, and, and the level of corrupt, corruption is astounding because there's so much money involved, right? This is the richest country in the history of mankind. And there's right. a lot of money in And a lot of people do not understand the long-term, the people in Flint, Michigan understand it very clearly. The people in uh, Newark, New Jersey understand it very clearly. The people in Tampa, Florida understand it very clearly. But political corruption and local political corruption and even corruption in the horse racing industry is not a victimless crime right? And the clearest way I can explain it is the kids' factory in Lake Forest. Lake Forest is a very corrupt town, Uh, a lot of legal corruption, some illegal corruption, and it's been there for a long time. But most uh, cities and so, well, I'll say this, direct evidence, all the cities that I've engaged in and uh, researched in San Diego County and Orange County have all been corrupt and all uh, with a lot of illegal activity. From petty legal things, right, uh, to connection with you know criminal gangs and cartels, right, that that type of corruption, right. Uh, yeah. But the kids factory in Lake Forest, California, kids factory because this is one of you know this is the richest country in the world, and this is the richest county, one of the richest counties in the richest uh, country ever in the history of mankind. Uh, here, you know, the average income is like 200000 so they have a the kids' factory that with taxpayers' dollars, they, the, the parents paid $50 a month for their kid to be in an after-school program, mm-hmm. and for years, we got a councilman recall for being corrupt and stealing money and all that, we got a recall, but the people are ignorant. And they elect these people because they see them at their soccer practice and they don't do any research. They just elect him because he go to church, nice guy, and because the Republican Party or whatever has enough money to give people enough flyers, right? Get enough eyeballs to you know vote for this corrupt guy. So they vote for these corrupted people, they didn't listen to us. Long story short, the city's now bankrupt, and kids factory costs eight hundred dollars a month. So that's the cost of corruption with the pandemic it's gonna get even worse, but you can't, you don't go any longer than George Floyd situation, right? We, we can see corruption there. You know, the guy had already killed a bunch of people, right? And shot a bunch of people because of corruption. He was still around and long-term consequence was the social unrest, right? So from the kids' factory to the social unrest, yeah. Corruption is not funny. It's
1: not a local corruption. It's not a victim of crime. No, you mentioned uh, Flint, Michigan. And, you know, people say to me, oh, the water, right? When I was a kid, the water was not a problem. Right. So that or problem is a recent situation, a recent issue. And you can talk about <laughs> corruption and politics and money and fluoridation and all that stuff. you want to. Point is, when I was a kid growing up, it wasn't a problem. I mean, Flint River was Flint River was okay. Same thing is true of what you said about crime. People look good. I mean, let's face it, Orange County, man. Orange County looks good. You guys are, you know, you're highbrow, nice clothes, nice cars. No one thinks to look under the hood. It's not a Jaguar. It's a Ford. Right. (laughs) Okay. You're talking about the word. Your the phrase we use is called "do your due diligence." ask the hard questions, maybe have the people in your company do an assessment. Like I do a lot of work with companies. I work with assessments. I assess who the people are. And it's amazing, Josh, and our audience can appreciate this. When you spend an hour and a half with somebody one-on-one after they've questions on your online assessment, you'd be shocked. You're not, but you'll find out things you never imagined. And you're sitting, I'm sitting there taking notes. Copious notes is like, my God, after the fifth person, you've assessed, you have a really strong handle on that company, on their culture, on where they're going, how they're going to get there, are they going to succeed, and who the real power players are, who the influences are, and part of the work with what we do with people is ask a question. If you don't get the answer that you think is correct, circle back, ask it again, different way, until you get the answer. I think that's what, with uh, Roger Stein and with the, uh, you know, what's his name here, Mike Gill, where he's trying to walk this interview, they're friends, you can tell they're friends, they've known each other for a long time. So it's not really such a hard-hitting interview as it is more with softballs and, yeah, Mike, I feel bad, for yeah, you should want, it's kind of a mutual admiration society. I don't think you and I want to do that for our audience and our listeners at this podcast. We want to say, look, let's talk about what we could have done differently. Yeah, yeah, we're
0: going to talk about it in sports betting. uh, When I talk about the sports betting market being easier than uh, the stock market and that the stock market is more corrupt and more shady than the sports betting market, It's what he just talked about, Penn National. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Penn National is a casino. He'll get into it, right? But these are actually, I'd rather deal with these guys than most people in the corporate world who aren't at the up and up, right? And one thing is we talk about uh, local political corruption. There's this guy, Don Wagner, who's uh, a corrupt uh, criminal, guy who wants to run against Newsom, he's on the orange county uh commission and i honestly you know i'm 50 years old been around a lot uh somebody put a gun to my head i would say that don wagner even though he's a republican right-wing looking type guy most likely he's a you know, closeted homosexual. I mean, you look at it, a picture with him and his wife and kids, they all look terrified. Uh, I have direct knowledge of uh, crimes he's committed. And the only time I kind of heard him privately say something, he said these words were very interesting. He's a lawyer, of course, former state assemblyman, former mayor of Irvine. He said, lying is not a crime. Right? Lying is not illegal." Okay, so that, that's the corporate world where they think where the self interest is. So to think that, right, 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 let's, in like we said on the podcast, we keep it real. So, corporations, right, uh, for the most part, there's a lot of great corporations, right? 20% of corporations are great and they do a great job. They do, you know, Moderna, Pfizer, they do, do incredible things in this. 80% right, are a joke or nepotism or some sort of corruption or shady or just sometimes unadulterated pure luck. You can never underestimate the luck factor. Now, major corporations like PIN National. that again, I'd rather do business with an earning are run by the mafia racketeering. Uh, and when I say the mafia, uh, there's different types of mafias you have you know the five families in new york you have nigerian mafias jamaican mafias you have cuban mafias you have uh the anti-american italian anti-five family mafia they want they want to make sure everything's in the up and up and those are the nicest more polite educated people you know because they don't like the stigma attack, but they're still a mafia. And if they have to kill you, they will, and you you disappear very easily. And there's uh, political mafias that operate into and through the major parties, right? Uh, And one that's coming out uh, that was very interesting is they call stocking horse mafias. Well, they are PR firms and people, you know, Jill Stein, uh, Johnson, what they do on the national level. What they do is They don't want to win a race, but what they do is disrupt the race, right? So let's say there's two Republicans running in Georgia, right? They take the guy with the Trump impersonator and they get him on the ballot. He riles people up and says, uh, you know, the election's rigged, don't vote, right? The only reason he's in there is to take votes away from the traditional Republicans to the Democrat ones. So those people are funded by your George Soros, by uh, you know Steyer or whatever. But the other side does it too. I've seen Republicans do it too. Jill Stein is a very uh, perfect example. Jill Stein was put on all fifty ballots by Republicans, by major Republican donors, to take votes away from Hillary Clinton in battleground states. You don't see the major media say that, right? They say whatever that she was sick and right. get there. But really, it was just time, right? Just time. Both yeah. the that would have gone to Hillary Clinton, she would have she would have been president. Hillary, Clinton. and it goes on both sides, right? Uh, Ill fated attempt by Kanye West, but that's what it was. And uh, yeah. you do notice it. Notice. I would encourage anybody to listen to the podcast go on the Arizona. Secretary of State, where he said, look at the vote. Uh, Biden won by 14,000 votes in Arizona. But the stalking horse candidate, funded by Democrats, that was a libertarian that took conservative votes, got 60,000 votes, they would have gone to Trump. And Trump would have won Arizona. Mm-hmm. Why isn't Trump saying it? Why isn't the major media saying it? Because they're all part of the racket, both on the right and the left. And they're all getting right. paid by the right.
1: Right. No, that's true. And the point about politics and horse racing and business and government, they all start to get in bed together. And There's an old saying, you probably heard this years ago, politics makes strange bedfellows. Right. And if that's not true, I'll eat this pen without mustard. I mean, it's amazing what happened. So government regulations come in to say in this years ago, Josh, remember it was gambling and then it turned into gaming. They took the B out and the L out. So gambling now became gaming. Well, gaming is a lot easier to say, a lot easier to hear, a lot easier to talk about. And so organized crime. So let's just call it gaming. You know? We'll call it paramutual betting. And they start aggrandizing these, uh, these descriptors. But, but so, what's interesting, though,
0: is because we know business and financial concepts, and we understand math. I've wagered on five horse races and purely wagered on them or made a business decision on them purely on, uh, for lack of a better word, conspiratorial or marketing yeah. or saying, okay, yeah, uh, is, which horse is going to fit the p- profile and formula of what's going on and it's going to make uh the syndicate or the people as i would call them the most money right and i'm at 400 percent ROI uh wagering and betting on nfl games using the same strategy, right so i haven't even seen the horse or whatever and i'm five and zero using that strategy and reading what's going on right so there's a business element and this is not trivia right These are actionable steps you can monetize to put money in your pocket. This recession is coming. so All of that, we were talking about Penn National. Look at their stock price. They're up 100%. With a uh, a legal pump and dump uh, legal pump and dump strategy by Portnoy and Barstool Sports. All legal all very predictable, but all yeah. part of the racket were distracted. So keep the name in mind, Penn Nationals, we put Mike Gill back on. There's a lot of layers to this and it's such a viable podcast for people to learn and do their own investigations as well.
3: They can just tempt the corrupt who was doing it for crumbs before. That's what's going on. And you know what they're doing with this great wealth? They're buying your politicians and your judges and your courts. Exactly. No, I haven't disappeared. If you watch stateofcorruption.org, you see me pulling them together. My attack on Penn National is because they are organized crime. And they have brought these officials. The no, mayor right. of paris right now it
0: is, when people see it, Barstool Sports, the Win Encore, when Hotel, Vegas, Penn National owns and created Barstool Sports and Barstool Bets, so on.
3: For okay. 32 years, gets arrested. They turn around and have the AG, which I believe is honest. Catherine Kane just get kicked out. You know why? She leaked about the corruption. This thing's about to fall apart. The FBI's covering this up. They know. Listen, I haven't been wrong
0: yet. One time. And uh, we did a great podcast. I encourage everybody to listen to it. On a business associate, a um, woman from the Ukraine. We talked about the Ukraine, because the Ukraine's been in the news, right? Started with Manafort sending political reports from the campaign to Russia and to through the Ukraine, right? De Podesta, uh, oligarch, who's on, <laughs> I'll give credit to De Podesta. He's on all the sides. He's a Republican. He's a Democrat. He's a Pelosi, Mitch McConnell loyalist, Trump loyalist, Biden loyalist. He's on every single side you can, right? And he has billions upon billions of dollars. Then we go on, and I read the Mueller report, not many people have, I have. Then we go on from there. We go to impeachment. It's over the Ukraine, over the war on the Ukraine. She talks about the war, the powerless feeling of some other country trying to come in. So people need to, the United States need to listen to that because uh, mm. we're very arrogant and we're not focused on what could very well happen here uh, a lot sooner than, than later. And she's very, very intelligent, very uh, incredible. We could have her on the podcast, many layers on the podcast. People should listen to it two or three times so they can learn and get elements of humanity and history because it's current stuff that's going on that's affecting you, like we talked about the kids' fact So you go from there, you go from impeachment, you go to Hunter Biden, right, and he's making all this money and you know, uh, Burmese, or whatever, that uh, the company in the Ukraine again. So listen to that podcast with a girl from the Ukraine and what's going on with a corruption that's tied to Penn National, to do the international uh, gambling part of it, betting part of it, that all that money is intertwined, okay? Yeah. That corruption is intertwined to what Mike Gill say. Now tell me if you still think I'm crazy, because I'm telling you now,
3: there's been a rush last night that you haven't even heard yet. The compromise is they don't want to get into the politicians. They don't want to get into Penn National. Penn National is, 93% of it, is owned by the casinos. Wynn Casino, who bought land in Boston to build a casino, you know what the holdup was? Because I caught wires from Penn National to these, the Costa Nostra of New England. Not my words, the Boston Globe. They were purchasing it from Wynn. Win who owns thirty percent of Penn National. See,
0: right. So, talk about collusion because theoretically the one should be against Penn National. Now, another point that I missed that I should have thought that I was going with with the whole Ukraine thing, right? Very, very clear that, uh, and now I even have more direct evidence myself, right, Coach Mike. The FBI when they get correct, get evidence. Not all of them. I'm sure that again, it's probably the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people in the FBI are up and up and doing a really good job. But 80% of what I'm noticing through the Mueller report, what I'm noticing through impeachment, what I'm noticing through the Hunter Biden, and all of this is public information. All that that Mike Gill said, none of this secret, nothing secret to Mike Gill, all of that, like you said, is in the Boston Globe. So all things, that will be uh, links in the episode notes, and people can research themselves. But when the FBI gets evidence, right, you and I think, oh, they're gonna talk to a judge, they're gonna talk to so-and-so, and and they're gonna build the case, right, with a U.S. attorney or DA, and then we move forward, and they're gonna go where the evidence leaves. No, what they do is they go to the person they have leverage out with their hand out, looking for a payoff right and you got uh, the retired cop in Oakland he's got a $200 $200,000 pension, 45 year old healthy man and he's retired from the Oakland Police Department. $250,000 a year pension on disability. I have the link in the Tree Lake Fort. So the guy's healthy. The guy runs like faster than you and I, harder than our dad. And he's on disability, but he's $250,000 from the state of California. Guess what he is, coach? He's an FBI agent.
1: He's an FBI agent. Yeah. Right?
0: So from Peter Stroke, because you look at the Muller report, in the Muller report, it was very, very clear that Paul Manafort had uh, an illegal relationship with the oligarch in the Ukraine, right? But it was very, very clear that Trump had no idea what was going on, right? more than anybody else in the campaign. But they made, they made a huge deal about it. The only one who's culpable, right? Is uh, Don Jr., who's Don Jr. was stupid enough to uh, Engage with WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, and started chatting, having conversations about that he admitted he had no idea what was going on. So it really was a, a crime more of a stupidity more than, than anything else. But there wasn't, uh, it wasn't like Trump on the phone or Trump even really knowing anything about it. What you had were, you uh, over-ambitious uh, people trying to make a name for themselves in the campaign and they were way over their head and stupid and
1: they were easily compromised. Right? Yeah. Plus, plus there wasn't had, any plus, crime there. Right. Plus you had some people that were probably doing some wiretapping and probably breaching protocols and probably saying, yeah, we think it's legitimate information, but whatever, we're going to run with it. And yeah, we've got friends in the media, so they're going to cover for us. And you've got all this real soft
0: Media, code. what happened was, and let me know your opinion on it, right? Because there's an illegal Pfizer warrant that you and I knew it was illegal. And if you and I would, would have done that, we'd still be in jail for many, many years. But <laughs> question, what's the penalty the guy got for the big Pfizer warrant? And my contention is friends in the media know you know how much money in advertising CNN and uh, everybody else got for making a mountain out of a molehill, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Millions. Millions upon millions. Yes, absolutely.
0: It could be now, like just a million dollars worth of advertising. What's that? Four fun? five? Mm-hmm. How long? It, it still lasted yeah. three years ago. You're talking about how much does it cost to advertise on uh, CNN in yeah. three years?
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you're talking about this Pfizer one just to stay there for a moment, and you're talking about due diligence, okay? You and I would say, hmm, it seems like there's a red flag here. Can we stop here? No, no, no. Of course, my nothing. Just because there's smoke, there's no fire. Go on. And I, in my stubborn Italian head, would say, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to go on. Something's rotten in Denmark. Something doesn't work right here, right? What Okay, who is this guy? Who is this Christopher, whatever his name is, and who is this? And how did this guy meet in australia and they met in london wait 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 i am not that quick at connecting all these dots
0: right but if you read the motor report, Steele didn't even write the report well there you go And so they knew that said in his quote right. not mine but he does say Peter right. said, this report it's is
1: same, same old thing old
0: as, but CNN will give me money for it and right. again we go back to don wanger right. OC supervisor right lying
1: yeah not uh, against the law right and they know they're going to be covered they're going to be taken care of so to speak so they give money here and they give money there I remember one thing a long ago my father told me don't lie he just said mike don't lie because if you are going to lie then you have to lie every time you lie and you got to have a super super good memory and i didn't and probably don't to this day. So I don't lie as a rule. I try not to. If I do, it's a very small. What's that term? White lie. And I say I'm sorry. I think I just told a white lie. And with horse racing, with gambling, with money, talk about Steve Wynn, only 30% of the national. Steve Wynn. I mean, there's a guy. Look at the name. You go to Las Vegas. What do you see in that one building? Wynn. W-Y-N-N. Could could say W-I-N. Right. It's the same thing. It's there's, there's signposting to you. Hey, we know how to do it. We we got the system rigged. We got it down to an airbrush. Just follow what we say. Don't rock the boat. Don't make waves. Everything's going to be fine. Right. So
0: we've established there that the FBI's covering horse <laughs> racing, covering and to all these people <laughs> can be easily bought. All right, yeah. Right? So that leads to the true depth through crime of what's going on here. Unless it's that 20% down the line guy or... Even the 80% that are corrupt, it gets too big that they have to do something or else they're gonna get in trouble.
1: Otherwise, yeah.
0: You all know, get paid and laugh to the bank if you're the FBI a you know assigned to Pin Take a
1: look. Right. Take a look at the movie The Godfather and watch when Michael Corleone, who is now remember this, he's now a veteran. So he, he was in the army. Right. He's a veteran. And now he's testifying the Congress. And talking about the Cosa Nostra and the Cosa Nea, uh, all that. And they have the whole chart up, right? And right. they got Frankie Pantangelo. Bring him up. Look, I told these guys some stories, okay? They want to hear stories. I told them some stories. Yeah, this you mean you lied? I lied through my teeth. What are you talking about? And this is what happens a lot with people in business. And they say this offering's only gonna be two That that can't be possible. That, that, that can't be legal. <laughs> that can't be, right? So
0: right. Yeah, like let's say the pump and dump that Barcelona uh, Barstool Sports is go back to the Goodfellows, right? They always pay the cops. So he's yeah, go gonna do some pump and dump. Here's your cut, here we go. We're talking about the lots of money. The whole pump or right. national again. That's why I'm making it current. Even though this interview is 2015. We'll keep going. It's only about seven more minutes and then that we're pretty set up for our next episode.
3: Okay. This mob connections here. Do you want them controlling your judges and courts? That's what's at stake here. It's, it's horse racing in the life and death of it, but it goes into your courts. It goes into to these law firms and the insurers. We've just got turned out inside out by the business world. Why do you think you've seen all this corruption and no one goes to jail? And who's grown out of our eight years of
2: recession? The casino world. That's why I do what I do. Well, let me back this up just a little bit, okay? You, You get a feeling, you know, Lenny Shulman's on the line with us, by the way, and uh, he had the same sort He'll of opinion that every time you've been questioned or asked about it, you've been straight up and obviously you're not hiding anything, but how do you go from a guy that 10 years ago was one of the dominant owners in the game? Certainly when they talk claiming uh, your, your two, your name, Mike Gill was going to be the next thing discussed within 10 minutes. How do you go to the extreme where you want to expose these guys more than you want to win two or three races a day. What makes that happen?
3: Well, let's not forget, I came from a family that had nothing. We'd look for change to buy a pound of baloney. So you know what, insight made me a wealthy man, but I haven't lost the principles, which seems to be weird here. I turned around, you want to know I went from that peak and I risked everything and I risk everything today because there's something greater than money. It's each and every one of us. It's the corruption in there. Do we, we send young men and women off to war to risk their lives. Why are we any better? Why aren't we hold the same responsibility they hold? So I had no choice. The information I knew and what they were doing was beyond myself. So I had to make that decision. Trust me, I've lived in 10 years of hell, but I'm prepared to live in another 10 years. I'll get it done. You watch. Well, Think about no, you, where we Mike, are now and the unbelievableness of what's happening. And just five years ago, they were all thinking this was crazy when I was saying it.
2: But, but Mike, hold on a second. If you were sitting out there and someone was spewing this, you'd think it was a bunch of nonsense. Let's face it. You went from zero to 60, you know, in 0.9 seconds, it was just, boom, it was over. And uh, they're hit with all of these things. The reason that it, to me, it's been an amazing ride was there were times Mike where I thought now he stepped into the the realm of uh, the twilight zone. Now I think my buddy Mike has lost it. And then a year later, two years later, the very guys you were talking about get arrested for things you don't see around the racetrack. You don't see, for example, someone was arrested last night back there. Fill us in: who, who got arrested, and what was the story with that? Todd Beaney.
3: he's Todd one Beaney. of the four that just got indicted. Indicted. You're going to hear a couple more in the next couple of days. See? See the thing that you have to remember. Why I became enemy number one. I was running in more races than anyone in the country. So when I would go to these racetracks, if they were cheating and they were betting money offshore, do you think the guy who, could, who would insist on his chalky running fairly wasn't the enemy? I, they came to me many times to join the club. But I refused. That's why they're refusing and claiming. And they were saying I was cheating and claiming because I was buying the horse they were cheating with, which is why Sam Abbey kicked me out of Delaware. And I said it then, which is why in Saratoga, they came up with a bad test. They couldn't have me running it straight. There's the difference. And when you're the international, that's exactly
2: what happened. Stop for a second, Mike, because there's so much along the way. We're not getting filled in about when all of this was going. I'll
0: let him finish, but there is a lot, and we're going to peel the layers, and we're going to go through. This is 2015, but we're going to go through a recent arrest and Jason uh, service, and we're going to go through the claiming process. We're going go from A to Z horse racing, how it goes down, so you understand each element of the process and where the true crime and business. that's a lot of, there's a lot going on.
2: Going on, your horses were involved, uh, Lenny. I hope you're still there uh, with me because I know you knew the story while it was happening. Remember, uh, Mike, toward the end when he decided he would get out, because the jockeys were, were weren't willing to ride his horses; they were too sore, according to them. Three and four days later, the same horses appeared in the box with those very same jockeys. Now, either those trainers are miracle workers and got them sound right away, or the conspiracy that Mike talks about really existed to a level that few people Exist. could believe. Exist. Exist
3: That's exactly what happened. They would say they weren't too sore. For instance, you've seen the ESPN and they showed them the horse breaking down and five horses falling behind it. How about I wasn't even in the race? That's right. Didn't have a horse in the race. But you had to buy that story if they couldn't have you listening that it was a gambling syndicate. Those jockeys are part of it. And here's this: Dana Whitney, he's indicted. How's that? Willie O'Caro, he's indicted right now.
2: See? These are the very guys. To... These were the very guys, Mike, that you pointed the finger at. That was all. That was. Actually believable. It wasn't a long. It wasn't a long stretch to get to that point where people could see what had happened. The thing was, as I told you, you started. Square one was square twenty. There was nothing filling in what led up to all this. So here you are, the Mike Gill, ten years ago, winning, you know, record numbers of races, uh, finally picking up that Eclipse Award, which you never even said to me. Was that at any time, was that a goal of yours? Was it something you wanted more than anything on earth was to win that eclipse? Because it seemed at the time pretty important. Again, maybe that's just what's fair or what's right.
3: Roger, dead on. I paid for the trophy. Get it? I never did it for the money. I did it to be a champion. Look what I'm saying. They wrote a book and they interviewed me when I had three horses, broke down horses at Suffolk Downs. They asked me, what are you going to be? I said, I'm going to be the world champion. They laughed. The book was uh, written by the announcer over there. See, but I became the world champion. When I seen this too, I played for the trophy. The trophy here is the people and turn racing around. That's the trophy I play for. I spent 51 million in 10 years. What's my motivation money. And here's this crazy. How about I went from being homeless to the largest brokerage firm in the country and a person who has won more races than anybody's ever lived. Maybe I had a little insight. Maybe I brought something to the table, but rather than choosing to be in that world of wealth, I put everything on the line, including my own freedom with these people and life and my children's lives that you can see have been threatened on the internet to tell you the truth.
2: Mike, let me just say one thing. We're going to make this an ongoing story throughout the rest of the year. I wish only for your good health. I have to end the interview by saying this. I know the love you have for your kids. I understand you taking a personal risk. If this is really what you you believe in, what's it done to your relationship with your kids, Mike? They... They, they're bright kids. They must be looking at this, going, Dad, what is going on here? Well, let's briefly.
3: I had my youngest son, who's now 18, but there's a time when this came out. He was eight years old, and he asked me, and this is the—he was my track buddy. None of my other children liked the races. He'd go to the track with me. We'd sit in the track kitchen. We'd be sitting with the jockeys. I mean, going through the barn, he loved it. He watched the most hated man in racing and he called me and he goes, Dad, I thought you were one of the good guys. So, you know what my relationship with my children is? I'm going to show each and every one of my children that their father was the good guy. And as unbelievable as that's to see, the most hated man in racing, I'm going to prove them that their father was the most honest man. Mm. So that's my course, relationship. I show my children. I don't talk about it. I'm going to have them see it.
2: And as everything comes to fruition, all of the things you said were going to happen happen. People all around are going to say, "I told you that." Mike Gill knew what he was talking about, but you heard it here. Mike, join us next weekend. In the coming weeks, fill us a-
0: All right. So a few things, right? Again, 500 days of summer. The undoing. Sometimes, and it's good to have a guy coach Mike in your life, or like Anna, my wife, there's a big difference, right? Between a guy who's been living alone for 30 years and a guy who's married, who has friends, right? Big difference between those two guys, right? And it's because people tell you, especially if you're poor middle class or you know, not a rich guy that has yes people, when you're wrong, right? And you check your thinking and your perception is flawed. And we can see here where you have two guys just yesing each other and their perception, right? Even though we'll have Mike Gill on and if he's listening to me right now, it's just to help you out, your perception is off and you're still appro- approval seeking, which is the worst thing you could do. You want a trophy for approval. You want the approval of your kids. And again, I guess that's the theme of the podcast from the beginning. Approval seeking is a dangerous road that you, even the good books says, right? You seek the approval from God, not of man. Right, right. You don't seek another man's uh, approval. Another thing that I'll reiterate is that on the highest levels, uh, the levels of you know investigations we see on the news, uh, pen national level, the FBI on the level of the cop from Oakland, the FBI can be and is purchased. Right, as long as it's not. Harming the public to a certain degree that they feel, or it's maybe harming the public in the short term, and the nearsighted FBI guy can't see how the corruption uh, hurts right. hurts uh, the people, right? Right, and uh, the other thing that hits to mind is we we you know on the sports betting podcast always do. Or research in common sense isn't so common, right? So, a few of the horse races I won this year were when the same guy or the same syndicate had three horses in the race. I think the prize horse, or the horse that they have PR on, is going to win that race, and the other two horses are there, to block the other horses from winning. And then we can all have our own opinions, right? But we can't have our own facts. And when I used that methodology, uh, that methodology ended up being worth $400 mm-hmm. on three different occasions. So we can have their own opinion on what happened, but it converted into uh, $400 in Bitcoin that I, you know, I gave and I put it on a uh, debit card to Anna and she bought gas that's lasted her for months on the fact of using common sense and knowing that the these three horses, the one that was getting the PR was the one that was going to cash the ticket. Right. Right. That's using business and financial concepts in the many, many layers. As we as this base episode and from here, you build on a good foundation. Right. On this foundation, we'll talk about the true crime. We'll get into the cases. What were these guys charged with? What was the disposition? What were right. some things that are in the background that have come up through records that we can yeah. our research and convert the knowledge. All the knowledge we have on the podcast is to convert the currency to money. So, uh, yeah. yes, yeah. like Christmas presents and things with charts. What are your thoughts, uh, Coach Mike? the final thoughts as we close the foundational podcast and then we move yeah. over next week to Jason's uh, service uh, but in the beginning we'll talk about <clears throat> the whole process from the owners to the claiming process which you talked about many times on there okay. <laughs> we'll get into pharmacology and how the horses are yeah. spiked and why they're spiked <clears throat> and, and right. the end point and at the yeah. end of the day we'll have a uh, We'll have somebody actually picking horse races. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello, podcast, Tony. Well, you? a
1: couple of things that Mike that Mike Gill said I thought were very key. He said, "You know, we used to pay pennies and nickels to buy baloney, and all of a sudden now, those kind of insights made him a wealthy man." Okay. Now, anybody listening or watching, you can take that to the bank if you have. If you come from poverty, you come from nothing, which I do, I did, I don't anymore. I don't have that mentality anymore because I'm not a poor person. I don't think poor, I don't think like a victim. I think like a victor. Um, One thing he said too, he said something greater than money. Okay, Mike, if that's really true, if that's really true, where are your foundations? Where are your 501 C3s? Where are your charitable organizations? Where's all this money being funneled to and I'm not pointing fingers at blaming him. I'm asking. I want to know. Because that's what happens with people. Like, for example, you and I invest in a lot of people that do work around the world. We give them money because we can't be in certain places. Okay? That's where part of our legacy builds. And I think building on this podcast to the next one, when we get into the you know Jason Service and the Jorge Navarro and all that issue, we're going to talk about everything from a basic Racing form all the way to the mafia and everything in between, right? And hopefully, we're going to bring these things together where people say, Oh, I get it. This printing company prints the racing form, they set the odds. Oh, here's what you do when you go to the track and you gamble. I'm going to bet on the horses two to one or three to one. How come the horses 23 to one won that race? How come this one that's seven to one or eight to one or five to one, how come they win more often than the favorites? And there's a lot of financial and uh, mathematical nuances to that. And I'm certainly not an expert. I've been watching it for a long time. I still don't get it. Yeah. And I likely, Josh, we can choose our own opinions. We can't judge our facts. can't choose our facts. And yeah. you look up data on a horse and you say, and this horse has been what they call ITM, in the money, for the last, what, eight races? Hmm, there's a pretty good chance he's going to win because he's due. So anyway, I look forward to the next podcast with you. And I look forward to Bringing in more of the business nuances and more of what I would call life experience, helping people. Maybe somebody's going to have a takeaway from this podcast and say, and I enjoy listening to those two guys. You know, I picked up a couple things."
0: Right. You know, and even people that don't <clears throat> enjoy listening to us, they're getting information, right, that they can monetize mm-hmm. quickly, and they can identify, right see why is this coming in the yeah. news? Why, and, and really, uh, this is a great lesson to the local level, right? Why did this happen in my school? Why did this happen yeah. in my uh, city council meeting, right? And it boils down to, it's not a legal issue. It's not a moral issue. Sometimes it's a political issue. Sometimes some person, uh, that's well dressed, seems like they have a lot of money, seems like everything, their perception, what they're looking at is completely off. Right. You, you can monetize it and you can anticipate. Right. So, right. and we'll have all the elements of storytelling because it's like, oh, this is a story. Yes, everything, especially at this point in our lives, and especially um, we'll follow all the fundamentals of a podcast. This is a story that we're telling. But it's also a business meeting. And a business meeting has to have a purpose and an outcome. The sports betting has been 400% ROI. thats four times as much money as you started with, right? And the podcast is going to be the same way. Uh, the purpose is to educate ourselves and you and the outcome I know right now is uh, we're going to benefit monetarily from it from um, many ways, from Advertising to betting on horses to other things that the audience might come up with. So, We're ready for a while. all right, all right, and we always end the podcast, all the podcasts I do, anyways, with uh, Winston Churchill. you got through World War Two, and it is that you make. And I know, Coach Mike, everybody that comes on the podcast believes this and practices, walks the walk, and it is that. You make a living from your labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Horse Racing True Crime Podcast. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team Report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers.
4: I'm the best threat.